Marvelites? Welcome to episode number 78 of This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast of news, new releases, and questioning the level of uh, audio on the podcast. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, Executive Editorial Director for Marvel's Digital Media Group, joined by... Ben Morris, editor of Marvel.com, and we are quickly and expediently joined by our intern... Lane Gomez. Because we have got a ton to do today, and we are trying to fit this podcast in. Although it's always a priority for us, we want to give you the best possible show. With that in mind, we're gonna we're gonna get going. Right. First up is A plus X number seven, and uh, like A plus X, it's Avengers plus X Men fighting stuff and doing stuff. Got two stories in this one. The first one's by Iron Man. Uh, it's not by Iron Man. It he features. Has, he has a lot to do with it. He does, but it's, he didn't write it. It's uh, it features Iron Man and Beast, and it's written by Zeb Wells with art by Dale Keown, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, a treat. Dale Keown, who's a classic Hulk artist, and uh, this is a great fun story. It's all about the big brains in the Marvel universe. And then the second story is Iceman and Thor. This is very unique. Yes. Art. So the writer is Christopher Yost. The artist, they're collectively called Orphans Cheeps, yeah. but. It's Rajan Bernalis and Chris Turcotte. And walking into the podcast, I stopped by Nick Lowe's office because he's the editor on this book. And I mm-hmm. said, who are these guys? What's their story? He said he found these artists at San Diego Comic-Con last year. Of course he did. Yep. We don't know if that's true. They are uh, they're, they're in animation. That's, that's yeah. what their background is. And it's obvious when you look at this. But they're in animation. And this is their very first comic book work. Oh. And it's incredible. Yeah, it's like really it's, good. It's like looking at a at a Pixar comic. Yeah, come to life. It's really awesome. It's Thor and Iceman versus Frost Giants. Yeah. Freaking cool. And written by Chris Yost, who working on a little Thor movie. So yeah. pretty cool stuff. Over in Avengers number ten, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Mike Diodato, who we actually just spoke to a couple weeks ago about his Avengers work. This is different. It's almost like a. It's basically a horror movie in comic book form. The Avengers head up to Canada, where, as you may recall, one of the bio bombs or whatever we're calling them, uh, landed from Mars, from Ex Nihilo. He has sent these bombs to Earth that are going to have crazy effects on the different bio aspects of Earth. In Canada, this huge spear, this impenetrable spear has been created. No one knows what's going on inside. Omega Flight, an all-new Omega Flight with some great new characters, great designs by Diodato have been sent inside sent inside the dome they have not been heard from since the avengers go inside to investigate they bring along a veteran from department h which of course is near and dear to our childhood hearts and creepy creepy stuff happens and by the time they emerge from the dome not all the characters come back and the ones that do come back are irrevocably changed it's a very eerie vibe and diodato really turns on the scariness factor you do not want to read this alone in the dark um, where you wouldn't be able to read because it would be dark. But just a very different kind of issue. And uh, again, Jonathan Hickman kind of showing his ability to do all sorts of stories with these Avengers characters, uh, whether it's cosmic horror. Coming up next issue, we got a good old-fashioned kung fu story. So really stretching. And on the other side of the Marvel Universe, still coming the Avengers, Avengers Arena, number eight by Dennis Hopeless and art by Kev Walker. X-23 gets a spotlight as she finds out what has been going on with Sentinel. In the meantime, the survivors of the Kid Britain debacle kind of commiserate, decide what they're going to do next. We get a little more character insight. We find out how these kids are going to relate to each other. The colors are really kind of bleak and stark in this. Uh, And, of course, the credit for that 
goes to colors Jean Francois Bellieu. Bellieu. Was a great name. Yeah. And one thing we've been waiting a long time for happens at the end of this issue, and it's going to set up some very interesting things in a very big fight going into the next issue. Over to Deadpool number eight, written by Jerry Dugan and Brian Posehn, with art by Mike Hawthorne, who's uh, on this issue in place of Mr. Tony Moore. Yes, Mike's going to be doing this arc. Awesome. This, uh, whole running with the devil arc. Rock and roll. Colors by Val Staples. And in the aftermath of the first big arc for Deadpool, uh, we've got S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Preston stuck inside Wade's head and antics ensue. It's a it's a cool story. There's some really nice touching moments to it as well, uh, which is, you know, from a Deadpool story, it's kind of fun to have that. Uh, also, lots of violence. Definitely stabbings through the head, mm-hmm. which is good because I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones, and I'm all about the the head stabbings. And uh, it's it's a fun stuff, fun story, and we get a good mystery at the end. You want more Deadpool? We got more Deadpool. Deadpool Illustrated number four, written by Cohen Bunn, art by Mateo Lowly, wrapping up this particular Deadpool adventure where Deadpool and his Frankenstein monster that he cramped one of his other personalities into have been going through the idea verse, trying to destroy literary creations in the hopes that that will take down their uh, successors in the Marvel Universe. We get the big climatic battle here with Deadpool against Sherlock Holmes, Watson, Mulan, Natty Bumpo, and Beowulf. That's right. What the hell Everything is Natty Bumpo? Everything I just Bumpo? said is true. Natty Bumpo is, I don't know. I, in my Some head, literary in, in thing my that we did. don't know. Yeah, it's Ask Nick Lowe or <laughs> someone. Um, but anyways, it's a it's a another very violent Deadpool comic, and uh, there's lots of blood, lots of killing, lots of stabbing, and Deadpool does he succeed in killing all the classics? Well, there's actually a bit of a cliffhanger ending, as there's going to be another in this, as Colin Bunn calls it, Deadpool Killogy. Uh, as we're now going to go to Deadpool, we had Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, we had Deadpool kill Illustrated, now we're gonna have Deadpool kills Deadpool. Ah. And uh, the internet tells me that Natty Bumpo is Go the on. protagonist of James Fenimore Cooper's pentology of novels known as the Leatherstocking Tales. Right, right, no, that's... Obviously. Of course. Of course. We are fools. All right, over to Fantastic Four, number seven, written by Matt Fraction, art by Mark Bagley. Previous issue, we were at the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. This issue, we are at the end of time. A lot of stuff going on with the family and uh, trying to get back to their adventure. Uh, more Blastar, more crazy aliens, more uh, saving the universe, saving themselves, and also dealing with their own crazy problems going on. Um, it's a cool family adventure and kind of heartbreaking yeah. throughout. Yeah, Fraction's been good at that with the yeah. Fantastic Four stuff. Yeah. And then you jump over to FF, Ugh, number so six, cool. written by Matt Fraction, with art by the amazing Joe Quinones with yes. colors by Laura Allred. So it's really cool because Joe's... Joe's got his own style, but he's he's riffing off of Mike Allred. Yes. And then you take Laura, uh, and who is Mike's colorist and, and you know partner for so many years, it gives it uh, a very Mike Allred esque vibe, but still its own thing. It's really great. There's an awesome cutaway of yes, the, the FF building. It's amazing. There's Dragon Man stuff. Uh, my maybe my favorite moment in this entire run. Uh, is with the Moloids. There's a, a big moment for ah. one of the Moloid kids. It made me so happy, and really, it's nice. It's a, it's a it's actually a much bigger deal, I think, to me uh, and a lot of people than it may seem on the surface. 
and the way it's handled here is really really sweet really really nice uh, very encouraging it's really good uh, i don't want to spoil it so you guys will have to read it uh but you get awesome yancey street gang stuff i love yes. the angle that they took this with new yancey yeah. street gang is awesome it was terrific it was really really good uh you got some great inhuman stuff uh, this is one of my favorite books of the week. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And there's not many artists who can pinch hit for Mike Allred, yeah. so that's a huge compliment oh, to Joe yeah. Kinonis that he doesn't even miss a beat. None. Uh, over in Gambit, number 11, written by James Asmus, art by Clay Mann and Paco Medina. It's the issue all of you except Ryan have been waiting for as Rogue guest stars comes between Gambit and his new love interest. Can I tell you one thing? Yes. As I was reading this, mm-hmm. all I could hear in my head were... The X Men nineties Rogue and Gambit like oh sugar blah 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 well, and he's like wah, 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 yeah. Wah, me. yeah that's what it sounded like um, back in the nineties yep. I got to give a lot of credit to James Asmus because he doesn't cheap on writing their accents <laughs> every I spelled as A H every you know abbreviated slangy New Orleans Mississippi Southern rat slang he goes all out <laughs> he's working like if you're trying to read a conversation between the two of these like some writers will just write them normally not James Asmus this guy's like I'm gonna give you an authentic gambit and rogue conversation which just sounds like two Blake Garris mushmouth types trying to communicate um, but it's nice it's it's rogue doing the ex-girlfriend thing trying to be like what, what the hell are you doing with this new bad girl uh, they end up having to fight Tombstone's Tombstone's henchmen to try to save this girl, and in the end they find out it may not have been worth it, and Rogue's sticking around next issue, so we get more mumble-mouth fun in the coming months. Terrific. Over to Guardians of the Galaxy, number two, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with tag team champions of the world, Steve McNiven and Sarah Pakeli, on art. It's a really incredible, just freaking gorgeous-looking book. Amazing colors throughout by Justin Ponsor. It's like I'm just stunned by how beautiful this issue is. Right. And it's cool because you have these two artists, and it, they work so well together. that I, I didn't even think about that before, but, man, Sarah Pakeli is just, she's on that level. Mm-hmm. It's really, really fun to watch. But in this, you get to see the uh, the Badoon come to Earth and try to cause some ruckus, and you find out why they're coming to Earth and causing some ruckus. whole lot of uh, political so-and-sos going on mm-hmm. throughout behind the scenes. And you also get to see why the Guardians of the Galaxy are so freaking awesome and badass. It's really, really fun fun issue. Journey into Mystery, number 651. Nice little break from the ongoing Sith-tastrophe, uh, Sith-atrix. <laughs> I love this issue. Yeah. This is I love every issue. issue of this book. This is a nice one-shot issue of Journey into Mystery, written by Catherine Eminen, art by Pepe Larraz. It's basically, as they frame it, it it's kind of like a bedtime story where... Uh, Volstagg's daughter Hildy sees something she shouldn't involving a bunch of dwarves and the Fenris wolf and she has to basically recruit the entire cast of Asgard to help it, it, it does have kind of like a fable type feel but with a very Marvel Universe tilt uh, all the great characters you love some really funny moments and just kind of cool reminds me of a lot of when Simonson would do a one shot issue of Thor back in the day it's got that whimsy to it Catherine Newman does an amazing job. Pepe Larraz is fantastic. I love so good. slamming the door here. It's a big slam uh, sound effect. And uh, there's one particular visual gag with Thor, which is the best thing of the whole issue, in my opinion. It's just so funny. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're talking so about. so funny. And uh, Hildy, 
uh, Volstagg's daughter, who's been around for years, is just a fantastic character. Just, you know, the inquisitive, uh, brave little kid. It's just a fun, feel-good issue. You'll be, you'll be smiling by the end. It's hard not to recommend. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man, number 13, adapted by Joe Caramagna. This is continuing to take episodes of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man and put them into comic book form. And in this case, we have Flight of the Iron Spider, which was written by Man of Action originally. It features Spider-Man teaming up with Iron Man and getting his own suit of armor. So if you enjoy the show, enjoy the comic. Morbius the Living Vampire, number 4. Written by Joe Keating. Art by Richard Elson. Colors by Antonio Fabela. And, uh... You really just it continues down that path of Morbius is a terrible hero. Hmm. He is awful at being good and helping people. Try as he might, it just is not a good thing for him. We get great Midnight Suns references. I cackled over yes. those. And uh, we get the uh, reveal of the villain behind a whole bunch of things in this. And it was a cool twist and a cool character to bring back. But... Yeah, I like I like the kind of mythology they started building as far as Brownsville and carving out a little corner of the Marvel Universe from Morbius. That was really neat. Yep. Getting Going from micro to macro, we got New Avengers number 5, written by Jonathan Hickman. Beautiful art by Steve Epstein with Rick Magnar on inks and Frank D'Armato on colors. Things continue to go from bad to worse. This issue really focuses on Black Swan, the character who we saw in the very first issue trying to destroy our world and who has been slowly leaking information to the Illuminati about what these incursions are, what's going on, why the universe seems to be crumbling. We get her full origin story here and really start to learn about the big picture of what these guys are trying to stop and just how huge it is. And uh, just the beautiful dark artwork, the interaction between the Illuminati, which really is the highlight of this book, seeing these guys spar with each other, and adding Black Swan into the mix uh, just throws another great wild card character. And she's, I like her a lot. Mm -hmm. I think she has a lot of potential. Um, Just this this, this character who has kind of been there, done that, seen it all. She's their prisoner, but she clearly knows more than they do. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I love her disdain for Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's well. a, that's great, and I love Namor's reaction yeah. <laughs> to it. Um, she's got disdain for all of them. She really is like, yeah, but it's, like it's the fun. real disgust. She really, she really doesn't like Doctor Strange. And we also get a flashback to uh, what we were promised last issue, and that's the Illuminati fighting Terax on another world. And it's just a great fight scene. No words, all epting. Beautiful issue. Really, really well done. Scarlet Spider, number 16, written by Chris Yost, art by Koi Pham. And I just, this book, I just mm. love this freaking yeah, book. It's, it's you, so you. good. It may be my favorite issue of the, the month of the week. It's tough to say. I'm still parsing it through my head. But we, it's really funny, really touching, action-packed, uh, builds a whole bunch of things for the, the story that they've been putting together. It's really, really terrific. You get Armadillo in it. Hmm. You get uh, a tease for the next villains showing up in the book. Uh, some of the relationship stuff going on. Some of the bigger problems that are going on for Kane. I mean, I recommend... If you've not read Scarlet Spider, 16 is is a great issue to just dive right into. Because it's fun. It gives a perfect tone of the title. Speaking of Sarah Pacelli, which you were a little while ago, I segued. She also, she has double duty this week. She also draws Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 22, written by Brian Bendis. And this is a huge turning point issue. I can't give away exactly why it's a huge turning point issue, but it's the conclusion of this Venom War arc, where Miles Morales 
has to fight his, what will for now be his final battle against this gross venom monster that Sarah Pacelli really shines when she's drawing this hideous, evolving whale of black goo that's just spitting tendrils everywhere. Uh, it's Miles Morales against Venom in a hospital where both his parents are. The stakes are very high. It's going to hugely define the next step for Miles, and I really can't say a lot about it other than to say it's a really important and emotionally heavy issue with incredible art. So kind of you're going to have to take my recommendation sight unseen there. All right. First part of our Uncanny Double Feature this week, we've got Uncanny Avengers number seven, written by Mr. Rick Remender, art by the incredible Daniel Acuna, and I say that 110% because he's incredible on this book. He's uncanny on this book. It's really, really gorgeous stuff. Uh, big, big stuff for uh, the Apocalypse family, as mm-hmm. I like to call them, because mm-hmm. there's... The Apocalypse clan. Yeah. Coming... Clan Apocalypse. Coming to E this fall. Oh, God. I would actually... Keeping up with the Apocalypses. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. We should pitch that. What the... Yeah. <laughs> I'm pitching it to you right you now. <laughs> Next uh, time there's a hole in the schedule. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you've got really fun stuff, and if you've read uh, the Uncanny X-Force arc about Dark Angel and everything... You get a lot of big moments here for some of those characters. You get the real introduction of the Apocalypse Twins and what they mean for the future of this title and for the Marvel Universe here. And they do some crazy stuff, mm-hmm. like some legit what, how is that even possible type stuff. Then you dive over into the Avengers team. Uh, I this love is, it. This is what I love. Yeah. I love the downtime stuff here because these characters, were just the minute we had this roster announced, I'm like, I can't wait. So there's a moment for them to catch their breath and just be in the same building together. Yeah, because it's just, it's not like a everybody hugging and happy team. No. It's, there's a lot of good drama, a lot of meat on them bones, a lot it's of good conversation. who stands up for who. Yeah. That was very interesting to yeah. me. Yeah, and then we get some more really cool stuff uh, with different couples pairing off, talking, a lot of relationship stuff. Moves over to the bigger picture and uh, some insanity. Love this title. Man. And, and, I was talking to Rick about this a while ago. You know, there's the whole, you know, decompressed versus compressed story. He is throwing so much into these his issues of Uncanny Avengers. It never feels like it's too much, but you know, it never feels like you're you're lacking in any type of story. It's really great. Over to Uncanny X-Men, number five, written by Brian Michael Bendis, and first issue by the amazing Fraser Irving, mm. who comes back to us from, I don't know where he went. He, I think was, he went on vacation. Yeah, he was probably on vacation Bahamas. for a while, yeah. But he's amazing, and uh, coming on to this book, he's dealing with uh, some stuff that really is up his, up his alley with magic and all the craziness that goes on with her powers, her uh, status in limbo. Great Dormammu stuff in here, and I, I love the interactions between these uh, this crew of X Men, the Xavier School, the new Xavier School mm-hmm. crew, I guess. Uh, a lot of funny stuff. There was there's a really great moment with the the Stepford triplets, I guess they're called now, and uh, one of the newer characters. Emma is is great here in her her new role, sort of adapting to what her powers are. Everybody's sort of shifting over different things, and it's terrifying. There's there's just an underlying current of, oh god, everything's going to go wrong. Wolverine and X Men number twenty eight has the fourth and final chapter of Savage Learning, where the students have been dropped in the Savage Land with Wolverine and his brother Dog. Dog has unleashed a bunch, an army of 
cavemen and cyborgs and western heroes and all this other stuff the kids have to fight them and this is just a wonderful coming of age issue for these kids particularly for eye boy who is the mutant who just has eyes all over his body has probably the coolest moment he'll ever get to have uh you know hopefully they'll get cooler ones but if he doesn't this is a great way to go uh some progression for brew wolverine getting to go kind of cerebral and examine what is he doing with these kids and we get to see whether or not they have learned their lessons from wolverine thus far also ramon perez knocks it out of the park on art dinosaurs sound effects oh man battles everything you could want this is a smorgasbord of cool stuff just a just a buffet of wonderful comics a feast yeah when i said smorgasbord and buffet i think i covered a feast Feast. there you go uh over to extermination number two is the conclusion of not only the storyline but of the age of apocalypse universe presumably yeah and the uh the story of the extreme x-men uh jean gray is now the new apocalypse and she's fighting these giant monsters uh, who have been trapped in sort of nowhere and who can actually fight celestials. So it's her versus armies of them and they're evacuating the Age of Apocalypse universe as much as they can, get all the heroes back to our universe. Uh, Great sacrifice stuff in this issue, great battles, uh, a lot of uh, heart-to-heart talks and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed the end where you get a little bit of a a settling of where these characters will go and we get some stuff that maybe we'll see pop up in future mm-hmm. X titles mm-hmm. definitely some stuff in the future last but certainly not least we've got Young Avengers number 4 written by Karen Gillan art by Jamie McKelvey with Mike Norton and man what a what a fantastic issue to end on uh, this may be my favorite issue thus far I, I have been waiting to see how Marvel Boy aka Novar would be weaved into the team because basically you've got the traditional Young Avengers, Loki, who's a wild card, Miss America, who's a wild card. Then you got Marvel Boy, who was, you know, an Avenger and a guy who fought the Young Avengers. I wanted to see how he fit in. He was great in this issue. Karen Gillan writes him wonderful. as just kind of this aloof, uh, trying to find his way, alien guy, trying to impress Hawkeye Kate Bishop. Uh, he's very cool. This awesome two-page spread done by McKelvey and Norton, where it's a basically numbered, keyed way that he fights his way through an entire scene. You get cutaways to different stuff he's doing. That was ridiculous. I'm not doing How is that even possible? Um, And then this awesome splash page that I want as a poster. Um, Just such a cool book. And the Young Avengers keep going. After you get past kind of the Marvel Boy portion, and of course we get more parents showing up, um... You get some great stuff with Loki, not just his conversation with Hulkling, which is a complete mind F. And uh, he, he has a conversation with Hulkling that just kind of changes everything. But then Loki's just two pages of Karen Gillan just writing manic Loki as he does, <laughs> just coming up with 85 ideas in one second, just trying to talk so fast that no one can keep up with him, and basically saying, like, oh, this is a plan. Oh, you don't like that plan? Oh, let's go to this plan. Wait, you know what's a great plan? My original plan that I already said five <laughs> minutes ago. It's so funny. It's so action-packed. This book is just... It's its perfect for all these creators. They get these characters. It's a perfect match. And I love that this book made me really happy this week. Yeah, me too. It's a tough one this week. Very tough. We got a lot of really good books. A lot of good stuff. Uh, I like both the Avengers books, main Avengers yep. books. Uh, actually, all three. I like the Uncanny Avengers book, too. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, 
I know it's fresh in my honest stick with it. I think Young Avengers was my was my book of the week this Wowzers. week. Yeah. I'm torn between Scarlet Spider. F. Uh, Make a decision. Be a man. Scarlet Ma- Spider. In the words of Macho Man Randy Savage. Be, be a man, Hulk. Be a man, Hulk. <laughs> All right. So before we have to dash off and split this podcast in two, let's quickly go over collections on sale, uh, which include the 12 in hardcover, Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, The Battle of Tull in trade paperback, a personal favorite of Elaine's. Uh, Castle, Richard Castle's Deadly Storm, also now out in trade paperback. Avenging Spider-Man Threats and Menaces in trade. Marvel Masterworks The Mighty Thor in trade. Uncanny Avengers Volume 1, The Red Shadow hardcover. So that is the first official collection of Uncanny Avengers. X-Men Fall of Mutants Volume 2 in trade. X-Men Longshot. A lot of people have been asking for that. Now out in softcover. That's fantastic. Of course, one of my perennial favorites, Squadron Supreme, is out in trade. Yep. Over into the digital comics app, we've got all the books we talked about. Additionally, we have the Guardians of the Galaxy Infinite Comic number four. And on top of that, we also have Uncanny X-Men 428 through 434. Marvel Comics Presents 72 through 84. Avengers Annual 1999. X-Factor numbers 213 through 219. Ms. Marvel 47 through 50. And Ultimate Comic Spider-Man 150 through 152. Also on the app, we have a bunch of collections, including Avengers Assemble, Volume 2, Avenging Spider-Man, The Good, The Green, and The Ugly, Invincible Iron Man, Volume 10, Long Way Down, New Mutants, Volume 3, Fall of the New Mutants, Ultimate Comics, Doomsday, Uncanny Avengers, Volume 1, The Red Shadow, and Venom, Circle of Four. In addition to that, over on Marvel Unlimited, we have freshly digitized Amazing Spider-Man issues 249 through 251, 268, 271, 273, 278, 290, and 291. So you know we're filling gaps there. And we're also doing that with the original volume of Avengers, as we have issues 227 through 230, 234, 236, 237, 244, and 246. We have issue number 12 from the latest Daredevil volume, issue number 6 from the latest Defenders volume, Mighty Thor number 17, original volume of Thor, issues 423 through 426, issues 434 through 437, issue number 439, and issues 440 through 443, Uncanny X-Men, the Karen Gillan run, issues 11 through 14, Wolverine wrapping out that last volume with 305 through 308, and finally X-Men Legacy 268 through 271. Wow, I can't believe I made it through that whole thing. Yeah, that's a lot yeah. of comics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're filling them gaps, y'all. All right, time to kick it over to Stromy for news about TV, movies, video games, all that jazz. Hello there this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com Associate Editor Mark Strom coming to you from a pleasantly sunny Los Angeles on the morning after the world premiere of Iron Man 3, bringing you the latest in Marvel movie TV and games news and on sale and what's available this week and what's on air this week and, well, pretty much everything. So, kicking things off, and speaking of Iron Man 3, Iron Man 3, the official game, is now available for mobile devices. It's available for Apple and Android devices, iOS and Android devices, I should say. It's a game 
I don't know quite how to describe it. I'm not super versed in mobile games, but basically you fly as Iron Man and you dictate the motion of where you go by tilting your device, whether it's you know your iPhone, your iPad. Um, I've played it so far on the iPad uh, in office when we get the builds in. I think it's a lot of fun. You get to unlock 18 different armors, I think. You go up against AIM. There are tons of awesome bosses, uh, many of which are not, you know, of course, in the Iron Man 3 movie, but you get to see characters like, I don't know, maybe MODOK flying around and face off against him in the game. Uh, it's a really great uh Adventure. You can get it now for free in the iTunes Store and in the Google Play Store. So you can check it out now. And jumping from Marvel Games to Marvel TV, we've got two new DVDs out this week. The first of which is Inhumans from Marvel Knights Animation. And Marvel Knights Animation, of course, is our sort of animation group that takes the original comics and brings them to animated life. They're really incredible, really sort of rich and textured animation styles. Of course, in the past, we've done Joss Whedon and John Cassidy's Astonishing X-Men run in four volumes. We've done Black Panther. We've done Iron Man Extremis. We've done Spider-Woman Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., Thor and Loki Blood Brothers. And Humans is the first in what we're calling Season 2 of Marvel Knights Animation. It's the first in a whole slate of new series that will be coming to DVD from Marvel Knights Animation and Shout Factory in the coming months, including uh, Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr.'s Eternals, I know, is coming up. We've got some Wolverine Weapon X from Jason Aaron and Ron Garney. We've got Wolverine Origin by Paul Jenkins and Andy Kubert. And we've got, you know, just tons of other awesome, awesome stuff coming your way. And Humans adapts the classic Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee limited series that helped launch the Marvel Knights imprint at Marvel, actually, back in 1998, I believe. Yes, 1998. It's a really, really great story, one that I've always enjoyed a great deal, and I'm really excited to see it uh, brought to life in this way, and I think Jay Lee's art really uh, lends itself to this, and it just creates a really, really cool, uh, very rich experience when you watch it all on the screen. We also have Iron Man Armored Adventures Season 2, Volume 4, which wraps up the second season of Iron Man's latest Amid adventure. It collects the final six or seven episodes, I forget the exact count, from the season. And we also have the complete second season on DVD available exclusively through Amazon.com. So you can check that out as well. And finally, this Sunday, 
we have some encore presentations of some great episodes of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time inside Marvel Universe on Disney XD, of course. Beginning with Hawkeye, which is Season 2, Episode 5, and features, of course, spoilers, Hawkeye. <laughs> and... Uh, Spy and Hawkeye go up against the Beetle, who is a very cool villain, I feel, in this animated series. And then that's followed at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time by Sinister Six, which is, of course, the episode featuring the Sinister Six, which is made up of Doc Ock, Lizard, Kevin the Hunter, Electro, Rhino, the Beetle. I sort of lost count when I was saying those, but I think that's six. Might be five. There might be a six one. There are six of them. That's why they're called the Sinister Six. So you can check that out as well. And with that, I will send you back to the fine gentleman in New York. And I will be back with you once again very shortly with tons of Iron Man 3 news. All right. Thank you, Stromy. Ben, give us some news. Yes. Last week, we ran a week-long series of interviews with Brian Michael Bendis on the Age of Ultron, focusing on which characters had made it, which ones survived the initial push, they may not have made it any further, but great insight from Brian on characters like Wolverine, Captain America, Luke Cage, She-Hulk, Hawkeye, Spider-Man, some others. Actually, I don't think Spider-Man was covered, <laughs> um, but he was in my heart. Uh, so he talked about all that. We had an Uncanny Avengers spotlight. My final, I spoke to Rick Remender like back in December and just banked a ton of material. It was an awesome chat and turned into interview form. Talked about other major players on Candy Avengers in the past, and this week finally publicized the talk we had about Kang, who's going to be huge coming up. Another great interview we had last week was with Mark Wade, talking specifically about Daredevil and what's coming up in that book. We're going to be following up that later this week with talking to the artists, Chris Samney and Javier Rodriguez. And of course, we've got C2E2 coming up this weekend, which I know Ryan's going to have more to talk about. All right. Uh, first, just want to mention the Thor The Dark World teaser is out there. A bunch of images are out there. The poster's out there. Uh, if you want to see Loki, he's in there. He's got some hair that a lot of people on the internet are talking about. Of course. And it's very exciting. Uh, I loved it, and uh, it was really cool to see some of the things that I watched them film, uh, to see that show up, like that little Loki scene. Awesome, awesome stuff to see uh, finally real. It's been it's been a while, so I'm I'm just as excited about this as you guys are. Uh, for Marvel Avengers Alliance, Union Jack is was announced that he's finally coming. So the nice. British invasion, I think, will be complete at that yes. point. Um, also, there's there may be some new content coming for uh, a couple of heroes that have haven't gotten new costumes in a while. Mm-hmm. Iron Man, War Machine. You know, there's a little thing going on that may make sense for us to tie into. So more info on that soon. Um, there's a I, I got an email that I have to go through about the Lego Marvel superheroes game. Lots of stuff on the schedule for that uh, throughout. You know, until the game releases this fall. So that should be really exciting. I'm super in, in, interested in seeing more of that game. Uh, and talking about C2E2, we're gonna have a lot of stuff. We have seven panels. At the convention, there's a House of Ideas panel, Breaking Into Comics panel, Age of Ultron, Superior Spider-Man. Um, there's, I think, there's one missing in here that Blake didn't put on here for some reason. I hope Classic he didn't, Blake. didn't book us a, not against that. 
uh, X-Men panel, Next Big Thing panel. Uh, we're going to do a bunch of interviews at the show. We're interviewing Peter Davison, who is a Doctor Who, or a doctor on Doctor Who. Um, we have uh, Diamond Dallas Page and Jake the Snake Roberts yes. we're going to be interviewing. Nice. So look for that on the podcast. R.L. Stein who Blake is probably going to lose his mind. He's really excited about that. Very excited. Uh, Bruce Boxleitner, Amber Benson, and Chad Coleman also on the schedule for us to do interviews with. In addition, we're also going to talk to a bunch of our writers and artists there. I know that Declan Shalvey and Jordi Belair will be at the show, so I'm super excited to finally meet them in person. Uh, Now, I mentioned last week, if you are a twin listener and you're going to be at C2E2, uh, find some times that we can try to meet up and and say hi. So 2 p.m. on Friday at the Marvel booth. Come by. Let me know you're a This Week in Marvel listener. Um, Currently, I have 5 p.m. at the Marvel booth on Saturday. I don't know if there's a panel at that time uh, because we are missing one on this schedule. And then 11.30 on Sunday, 11.30 a.m. on Sunday, come by the Marvel booth. Uh, I want to say hi. We could talk about the podcast, about comics, all kinds of fun stuff, and I'll probably have some extra swag just for This Week in Marvel listeners. So it should be a lot of fun. All right, kicking it back over to Stromy for more news. Welcome back once more this weekend, Marvelites. This is Marvel.com Associate Editor Mark Strom coming to you from Los Angeles with tons and tons and tons of Iron Man 3 news, along with a little bit of Thor The Dark World news. So, kicking things off with, of course, Iron Man 3, which hits theaters in just over a week, if you're listening to this when the podcast goes live. It's theaters May 3rd. I'm super excited for everyone to finally see this movie. I got the chance to see the final cut of it last night at the world premiere at the uh, El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, California, of course. So, I don't know, I loved it. I thought that the action sequences were just incredible. Shane Black really knows how to direct some incredible, very, very memorable set pieces. There are... (coughs) There are a number of them that I think you will enjoy quite a bit. You've seen bits and pieces of them throughout the trailers and the TV spots and all that, but seeing it all come together, it's it's really a very, very fun experience. And the tag at the end of the movie is maybe my favorite of our tags so far. But... I won't say anything more than that. Of course, you can rewatch our live coverage of the red carpet on Marvel.com right now. We had our hosts, uh, Tiffany Smith and Tamara Krinsky, of course, brought us a great, great show. We talked to all the stars, Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, Sir Ben Kingsley, uh, Ty Simpkins, Rebecca Hall, Shane Black, we talked to Joe Casado, we talked to Kevin Feige, I believe. We, we, we covered everyone. You can see it all from them live in person. Well, okay, not live as you're re-watching it, but you get the idea. And, of course, you can see the movie for yourself in just over a week. But until then, we've got 
a lot of new content for you, including two new TV spots, which we debuted this week, a new clip from the film featuring Tony talking about how things just haven't been the same since New York, of course referencing the events of Marvel's The Avengers from last year. We have a new featurette that the Blade... We have a new featurette that debuted this week talking about Extremis and the way in which Extremis works in the film. We have some interviews that we're starting to roll out with some of the cast and filmmakers. I believe today we will be posting an interview with Rebecca Hall, who plays Maya Hansen in the film, and in the coming days we'll be bringing you interviews with Don Cheadle, with Guy Pierce, with Sir Ben Kingsley, an interview with producer Kevin Feige and director Shane Black, and we will also be bringing you some more news from uh, the cast and filmmakers of the film. So you can keep an eye out for all of that. We also showed off the exclusive IMAX poster for Iron Man 3 that you will only be able to get at midnight screenings of the film opening day. Or, well, technically midnight May 3rd, so like 12.01 May 3rd. You get the idea. The, the midnight screenings on like that Thursday night before it comes out. Only at IMAX. It's this gorgeous print by Jock, who many comics fans will know. He does some great, great design work. I think it's an incredible image. I'm hoping to snake one for myself because I just, I really love the the image and just the, the Jock's sense of design and how he puts you all together. Of course... We also brought you a lot of Thor The Dark World news because that is just six months away. Well, okay, a little more than six months away. Thor The Dark World, of course, hits theaters November 8th. We brought you the first teaser for the film. We brought you the first poster. We brought you three new images featuring Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, and Anthony Hopkins as, of course, Thor, Jane Foster, and Odin. In the teaser, you got a little bit of a hint of just what exactly is going down in this film. You got a brief glimpse at Christopher Eccleston as Malekith. You saw Thor and Jane Foster reunited. You got some dire warnings from Odin. You saw some big alien-looking ships crashing into both Earth and Asgard. You got a ton of really great, very cool stuff. I can't wait to talk to you guys more about it. Oh, and of course, you got a look at Tom Hilston's return as Loki at the very end, which I am super excited for. So, with that, I will shoot you back to the guys in New York once more. Of course, I will speak with you again next week. But in the meantime, I wish you a fabulous weekend and even fabulous-er week. And I thank you for listening, as always.
Oh my god, Stromy. I just don't even yeah. understand what's going on. It's crazy. This whole... Everything's crazy. Like, Elaine doesn't look the same anymore. No. She looks like Caroline, our other intern. That Stromy segment seemed like it lasted an entire day. And it's now tomorrow. Nice tall intern Katarina? Is that her name? Yeah. She, she's never been on the podcast, has she? She did one Age of Ultron podcast with me. Mm-hmm. And it didn't record. So I've never allowed her back good. on a podcast. Very good. Caroline is actually my ace podcast assistant. Yes. Nice. So good job. Hopefully, she can. Only, there's only down to go from here. Fantastic. That, so, was, that was my subtle joke way of saying we're recording this a day later than we did the rest of the yeah. podcast. Real subtle yeah. jokey. Uh, so we're going to dive right into this week in Marvel questions and comments. If you're just joining us on the podcast, you can tweet your questions and comments at any point using the hashtag this week in Marvel. You can also tweet them directly to us at, at Agent M, at Ben J. Morse, at Blake Garris, and at Stromy. Tons to go through this week, so let's dive right into them. First one is from One Patriot. He says, I want to see Deadpool draw Sam Alexander, draw and quarter, that is. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, so that's jokes. a joke. Jokes to start out here. That's a, at least an attempt at a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, good job, One Patriot, who's never given his real name. Yep. Uh, another one from One Patriot. He says, hashtag submit or perish. Uh, talking about... Verizon it's, it's and weird. robots. It's some Verizon ad that he then <laughs> retweeted and put this submit or perish. Thing. Nice. Age of Ultron is everywhere. Yeah. Uh, another one from One Patriot. He says, A while ago in This Week in Marvel, you recommended Amazing Spider-Man Hookie. Yeah, it was one of the free comics from the Marvel Number 1 promotion. Yep. I just read it. Wow. Yeah. A lot of... I remember when it came on the uh, Marvel First or Marvel One or whatever we're calling it. Marvel One. Marvel Marvel Number One. It was Marvel First for a while. You're Marvel First Um, for a while. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we were excited to see that Amazing Spider-Man Hoagie was on there. So it's on the app and it's on Unlimited. I guess you have to pay for it now, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Great book. Totes. Aaron Naked Snake. Just no. Wow. Mm. Good name, Mm-mm. I guess. Deadpool number eight is out. New story arc. If you go back and revisit his origin, how would you put a Marvel Now spin on it? Not sure what a Marvel Now spin is, because it's not... Yeah, there's no there's no spin other than yeah. we're put it, making sure our books have awesome creators doing new things that they want to do yep. and doing it in exciting it's ways. Not, yeah, Marvel Now doesn't mean we're redoing things. Uh, it's the same continuity and all that. That being said, it's been a while since we've revisited Deadpool's origin. I don't think anyone's really told his origin since Joe Kelly did back in the day. So I wouldn't mind seeing uh, a new take. Thierry not try to do an origin story? No, just do a Weapon X story. Mm. That was, I, he may have done some flashbacks, but mm-hmm. like the, the last full-on one I can remember was uh, Joe Kelly. Which was great, and I can see people being afraid to touch, touch that. it. Yeah, but yeah. It, was, uh, it was a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alan John Wilkinson, a.k.a. Cassius333. Five, I think I added a three there. You definitely did. The newest Avengers Alliance PvP hero is apparently Shatterstar. I have no idea who <gasps> Shatterstar is. How do you is. not know who Shatterstar wow. is? One, you need to read all the X-Force from yeah. the 90s. One, two, you need to read all Executioner's these. Song because yep. he's all up in that. Three, you need to read Peter David's X-Factor, X-Factor that's going on right now. Four, you need to learn who Shatterstar yeah. is. Here's the quick version of who Shatterstar is. Uh-oh. He is an extra-dimensional. They always used to use that term and I never knew what it meant. These days I do. He's a kid. Extra-dimensional warrior from the Mojoverse. So if you're familiar with Mojo, he's in there. Same place as Longshot. Uh, who was basically bred to be a gladiatorial comic guy. When he first showed up in X-Force, he's basically just this fight, 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 cool swords, 
crazy whatever in the ensuing decades since he was in X-Force for years, like Ryan said, uh, and Peter David's X-Factor, he's gained a ton more depth. He's actually a really fleshed out, awesome character yeah. now. He was badass when he debuted, but he's one of those guys who's, he's like, he's like the Rocky movies. He had his blockbuster period, and then he came around to his soulful period. It always comes back to yeah. Rocky with you. But he's awesome. The other thing I like about Shatterstar is that he has a mutant power that he never... I guess he does now in Peter David's. The, but he used teleporting? to never... The teleporting's a new thing. He had a mutant power that he would never use. What was it? Um, it was that he could basically send like an energy blast through his sword when he wasn't near his swords. He used it like twice in the whole X-Force run. It was one of those things where That's it was like... That's a weird power. It is. And it was, and, and I think he, he had some weird ability to channel energy through his sword. It was one of those very 90s abilities. And it was, you know, there was a lot of... We've talked about this before. There was a lot of mutants created in the 90s who had powers, but they would never use them. They would basically just be really good fighters. Like Shatterstar, like Maverick. Yeah. Like Maverick had yeah, some... Yeah, what's Maverick's power? Ma- Maverick had some sort of like... Uh, it's similar to Long Shots, I think, where he could like <laughs> touch an object and like know where it was or something, but he never <laughs> did anything with that. Yeah. And there were a lot of characters like that, but Shatterstar, I always liked that. That there was one moment in... Uh, uh, it was one moment in... I can't remember if it was in the... It was some sort of the New Warriors. I don't know if it was Child's Play or something else, but basically Shatterstar is like pinned down and his swords over on the other side of the room. They're fighting the uh, Mutant Liberation Front. So it's probably not a New Warriors story. But they're fighting the Mutant Liberation Front, and I think Reaper or Wildside or someone is taunting him and being like, ah, oh, you know, all your fancy fighting skills aren't going to help you now. And then just out of nowhere, just his energy blasts out of his sword, and, and like, booms. like, what the hell was that? <laughs> He's like, oh, that's my mutant power that I never use. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. So that was long, sorry. Yep, Love yes some it was. All right. Also hoping Age of Ultron hasn't killed off the Runaways for good. Time platform, don't fail me now. Well, in the Age of Ultron uh, series, the Runaways are dead and buried, aside from Victor Mancha, who will be playing a big role in Avengers AI. But, as you know, uh, Chase and Nico are both in Avengers Arena. So once Age of Ultron's over, you'll see how that all syncs up. But um, can't really say more without spoiling it. Yep. Anthony Delakian, Anth80, says, Iron Man 3. Wow. Funny, action, everything that makes Marvel great. Phase 2 starts off with a bang. Do great to hear. It? Do you see it already? Yeah. Is it interesting? He's probably, it yeah, he's probably not in, cool. in this country. Although John Cirilli saw it last night and mm-hmm. he told me he really liked it. So that's good. And John Cirilli he, hates most things. Yes. He also said that the, uh, the stinger, that the post-credits thing, which... That's not a spoiler. Everybody knows yep. if you go to a Marvel Studios film, there's going to be something after the credits. He says it's his favorite out it's, of all of them. He's not the first person I've heard that from. I know. And I... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, we've got one from Alan Wilson. He says, found this for $10 at my store. Now I have the issues and the collected edition. It's a picture of Executioner song. Oh. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? Here's my only gripe with the new Executioner song collection. There's a new one? Or isn't this a new one? I don't think so. This is a fairly recent one. I don't have that. It didn't come in any of my bundles. Um, Is this a hardcover? It might be. I think that's... Yeah, no, that's the hardcover that came out last year. It'll probably be out in soccer. Better be. That's the one that came out for the anniversary. My only gripe with that is that the cover, great cover though it is, Andy Kubert, X-Men, Apocalypse, doesn't have Strife on it. 
You Nor does it have cable. Yeah, like yeah, no, it, I. It's a mass appeal cover. You got Wolverine front and center, Apocalypse in the background, but it's not. They should have that first part cover where mm-hmm. Professor X holds his chest, absolutely cable standing above him. What's up? Or even when they put the old collection out and they had that Jay Lee strife drawing mm. to show it to you. But that that's that's my. If I could have any grip with Executioner's song, it's a very generic cover that doesn't really. I really. Highlight. To blame here is Marvel's collected editions. Yep. So, you know, fine. Give them something. Yeah. Uh, We've got one from Aljon. We've got a couple from Aljon Go, Jedi Musketeer. He says, looking forward to the Marvel panels at C2E2. Anyone else going? Perhaps do a This Week in Marvel tweet up. Um, Yeah. So we gave times where we're going to try to do it earlier uh, in the show. So um, I think the only one that now looks like it's in question is the five o'clock on Saturday uh, because we're going to go we have we have panels that afternoon so Saturday is a little iffy just come by the booth ask for me uh, but otherwise the other times on Friday and Sunday are good at Kinky Comic Girl tweets hi you know that's going to be good Carol Cross tweets hi big fan I must I must ask how long will Superior Spider-Man be double shipping spank my bleep and make mine marvel told you I told you that was trouble. Hey, I believed myself. Yeah, way to go. Uh, I think we covered this before. Superior Spider-Man, it's kind of, it's it's double ship. We, we don't know how long it's double shipping. Some months it's double ship, some months it doesn't. Yeah. But as with most Marvel titles, you'll definitely get double shipping on a good amount of months. Yeah. It's just how we do. Enjoy it, Carol. Centurion Joe, Mr. Dreamy Robot himself. A parkerectomy sounds painful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's from the latest issue of Superior Spider-Man. No. Uh, simple one here. He's a, he's the master of the one-line tweets here. Your favorite villain, go! Modoc. Yeah, yours is Modoc, and mine probably be Strife. Boom. Yeah. Next. Wait. Wait. Your favorite villain, Caroline. Ah, uh, Venom. Gosh, she's so good, I forgot she was here. Nice. <laughs> Just gets it done. Venom. All right, so Venom, Strife, and Modoc. Uh, when is the comic book club getting started? Sometime after Iron Man 3 gets out when I have minutes to spare to do fun stuff. And then in a couple weeks, the answer will be sometime after San Diego or something like that. Yeah, it it sucks because I'm so busy on millions of things. Um, Hopefully soon. And finally, from Centurion Joe, Scott is a good dad. We all know Scott Bayo is like a super cool dad, right? He's just a recent dad, too. Is he? Oh, yeah. I he didn't realize that, he had children. He had I was just reali- making it up. He had a reality show where he got married late and had kids late. Cool. Gotta watch the E! Network, man. No, I don't. Sure I definitely do. don't. Nope. <laughs> Never. At IMash Buttons tweeted, still no Midnight Suns ongoing. No. Holding out hope. There was a, there was a reference in Morbius this week, though. So, you got something. Yeah, that's definitely there. At SSJCR65, Christian tweets, Has Matt Kent done anything for Marvel before Wolverine and the X-Men 27 AU? As I had never seen him right before. Well, Christian, we talked about that on the uh, This Week in Marvel AU podcast that we did with Janine Schaefer and Tom Brevoort. And they said that Matt has is working on projects for Marvel, but Wolverine and the X-Men number 27 AU is his first published Marvel work. So you'll see more from him, and um, he's done some really great independent stuff, uh, and you'll see why he's so in demand right now as time goes on. Another one from Christian, he says, What is your favorite Spider-Man story of all time? I need some good suggestions. See, it's tough uh, 
because for me, a lot of it is painted in 90s stuff that I, I loved and read. Like, mm-hmm. we talk about it a lot. Round Robin, The Sidekicks Revenge. Maximum uh, Carnage. Maximum Carnage. The the Eric Larson-drawn Sinister Six story yes. with Hulk and Deathlock and stuff. Revenge of the Sinister Revenge of, Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's always so tempting to go to Craven's Last Hunt because it's such a good Spider-Man yeah. story. But I also, here's my caveat with Craven's Last Hunt. It's a great story and you should absolutely read it. But if you're someone who doesn't normally read Spider-Man, it's not, I don't think, the best snapshot of a Spider-Man mm-hmm. story because it's very dark. Yeah. And it's not kind of, you don't get the wisecracking, fun yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah. So I think it's a great story. I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite Spider-Man story. Right. Um, Spider-Man Blue. Spider-Man Blue. Easily also, one of the, my also, favorites ever. Also super sad. Yeah. But does give but you... But it does have that, yeah, that pop. I mean, I would, I would cheat and say that those... Because I've been reading them lately, the first—I um, don't think it's a hundred, but first several Marvel masterworks of Lee Ditko and Romita. I mean, it's classic for a reason. Like I would start from the start on Spider-Man. Kind of always say that. And I think a lot of the recent, the last few years, has been some of the best Spider-Man stuff ever. Yeah, it really has. All, Dan's the, been... all the Gauntlet stuff, all the big time stuff. Yeah, yeah. that. Um... That rhino story? Yes. Oh, yeah. man. Killer. Okay. At Forgot You Talked. I think we addressed this with Blake earlier in uh, the week. Wish you guys would master the podcast louder. I can barely hear you on my MP3 player. Um, DD, we've uh, we've talked to Blake about this. He says he the, the recording level on the podcast says 90, and he doesn't want to go up to 100 because then it could get distorted. And he actually bumps it up when he's doing the post-production stuff on it. So, and, and we've uh, we've moved to a better recorder. So we're hopefully um, fixing it. Maybe you're listening to older episodes, uh, but we don't really get as many of those comments anymore. But if you guys hear them, tweet them directly to at Blake Garris. Yeah. Ed Gazarian, hey Marvel, where the heck is Nate Gray? ABX aside, where's he been, and will we see him again soon? Uh, Nate's not regularly appearing anywhere right now. Uh, he was last in New Mutants, but I have heard his name mentioned in potential upcoming Ooh. plans, so we could see him sooner rather than later. Nice. At Man in Black, Gary Langton, thanks for the Marvel Heroes beta key directed at Ryan. That game is so cool. Using Thor and Mjolnir is epic. Bring on the full game. Awesome, Gary. Hope you're. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Anyone else who wants a beta key for Marvel Heroes, just follow me on Twitter. I uh, give them out almost every day. I have a bunch. And um, we're getting close to the, the launch of the game, I believe. So, very exciting. All right, we've got a bunch from Gunhild Skjold. I love that name. Uh, first one says, are there any heroes on Avengers Alliance that you wish you had but don't? Um, right now it's Phantom X and Shatterstar because they're the only two I don't have. I... Oh, and Union Jack because I haven't bought them yet. I, the very, honestly, the very first or second one who was available who I foolishly didn't get. I never got Mockingbird. I still wish I had Mockingbird. Yeah. Just yeah. Got, I just got Psylocke the other day. So Psylocke's sure. great. Yeah, she's been good. Totes. More from Gunhild. Just got home from the post office where I picked up my Phase 1 box set. He's very excited. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. I actually haven't opened mine yet. It's sitting in my living room. 
in the box that wow. the box is inside the box. Some Cerulean-esque. Yeah, right? In there. Yeah. Uh, also, to the guy who wondered how he could get it in the UK, it's region-free, so he could just order it off Amazon. So the discs apparently are region-free. Get them, enjoy them, love them. If you could have any character from the Marvel Universe as a playable character on Avengers Alliance, who would it be? I mean, we're, we're getting all our favorites, it seems like. I mean, that cable. I'd love to get Nova, obviously. Nova would be great. Um, I'd love to get Iceman, too. Who? Iceman. Who's that? He's the opposite of Human Torch. Oh. I'd love Dupe, just to see what they do with That'd Dupe. That'd be fun. Dupe would be super cool. Dupe would be really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty good with the uh, selection so far. They're giving me a lot of yeah. surprising ones. Um, and then so many more coming that you're like, whoa, really? Yeah. Awesome. I like, I like that they're not necessarily going for all the instant... Big ones like written some obscure like when Black Knight came out or yeah. some Omega Sentinel picks. Omega Sentinel like yeah yeah it's all I, the hits I, I like that it's interesting totally yeah uh, one more we have I keyboard smashed so hard over the Thor the Dark World trailer that my five key was smashed off I am excited I just watched that when I got home last night nice loved it it's pretty good yep it's pretty good pretty good what's that Caroline. It's really good. Thank you. you speak up. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk or not ever. Well, now you're talking too much. Yeah, that's you, you're, you're out of control. You're fine for a second there. All right, HW View Haywood W. This week, Twim is hands down to Age of Ultron number six. Logan doing what he does best, and Susan torn in what to do. Yes, nice, very good issue. Yep. Going over to Bibliotech. If you could pick anyone for a one-shot or ongoing, who would it be? I think I'd go with Beast or Spider-Woman. Well, one-shot or ongoing, that's mm. yeah, that, that kind of very different. Changes it up. Yeah. For an ongoing series, someone who doesn't have an ongoing series right now, um, obviously a Kitty Pride ongoing series. I feel like there's a lot of potential there. She's got a lot of different aspects to her and uh, links with a lot of different characters, so... That would be mine. Yeah, Kitty would be good. I don't really know. We've got so many comics that it seems like we've got a really great bunch right now. So Gambit's already got an ongoing series, so Ryan's pretty torn on mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. he would give one to. Right, right. A slayback ongoing. Give me a slayback ongoing. That's an ongoing, not a one-shot? No, that, that, that's, that's, that's too, too much. It's, it's too much ongoing. there. Yeah. All right. A lot of meat on them bones. <laughs> Another from Bibliotech. I'd love seeing Black Cat run into Superior Spider-Man. There's no way that meeting would end well. If I know Dan Slott, I have a feeling that'll happen at some point. Yeah. He I, loves Black Cat. And I don't know what your uh, definition of end well means. Mm. That could go in a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think Doc Ock inside Peter's body would have a good time Indeed. with that. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I think Black Cat might be one of the few people who could figure out what's going on. Because she's been on both sides of the fence. Yeah. And uh, also Doc Ock beat the crap out of her one time. Like... Badly, mm. yeah. She that was when she was Spider-Man's partner back in the day. So Ouch. that would that would be very interesting to revisit. Jason Pepino, shipwreck Pep. Uh, this is our, our buddy from the Navy for the Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for the response. Unfortunately, no more Fleet Week due to funding. I what? didn't hear about that. And by the way, squids equals sailors, jarheads equals Marines. Yeah, Fleet Week has been canceled. They don't have funds for it. That's awful. Yeah, I heard about that over the weekend, and I actually thought of uh, thought of you, Jason. Sorry. I always that. love seeing seeing uh, the you know the sailors coming through in the city, and they're 
all, all in white. Mm-hmm. It makes I genuinely like it. That's a bummer. Got one from Jay McCusker, 24, Iron Man 3 next week. Looks so good. And an italics note from someone named Caroline saying he's Scottish. Why? Why? So why are you calling him Iron Man 3 would be next week for Mm -hmm. him, but it's next week for us too, isn't it? No. No? It's May 3rd. Well, it's next Friday, but he tweeted that last week. Oh. Caroline, bring in the game. Okay. Also, I love Scottish people. At Jekyll Geek, John tweets, What exactly separates Cyclops and company from being simply another incarnation of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? If you're reading Uncanny X-Men, then you know exactly what separates them. The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants is always about mutant domination. Screw the humans. Cyclops just gave a speech in the last issue saying, If you are human and you're on our side, we love you. Thank you for your support. And we are looking out for you, too. So they're out to protect mutants and humans alike. They're a little more militant than perhaps past X-Men incarnations. They want to make sure mutants are a priority, but they are not anti-human by any means. Yeah. John also says, what would you do in the event that Hulkamania ran wild on you? There's nothing you can do. Yeah, you, you are you are completely powerless yeah. against Hulkamania. Yeah, and Hulkamania will never die. Yeah. Ever. Man, I really hope someday we can get that Hulk that Hulk podcast. That would be good. Uh, yeah, Hulkamania basically did run wild. Yeah, it did. Us. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Can we? Do we tell the story about Hulk walking us walking down the hall with Hulk, and he stopped us to tell of, about how Andre the Giant saved his life in Japan? No, that's a great story. Oh man! So I'm not going to tell it here. No. All right. <laughs> at George, uh, at Mercenary 1993 says Hawkeye number three was the best single issue I've read in years. Why was it not nominated for an Eisner for best single issue? Jordan, I don't know. Yell at the Eisner people because they're the ones who messed up on that one. There were I remember I was I was in the meeting uh, for when the Eisners were getting selected by Marvel because we submit certain things yeah. for Eisners and there was a lot of talk about because there were so many good single issues of Hawkeye and it was narrowing it down to which one do we submit because if you submit like five they're going to be you never know how that's going to go you might dilute the vote. Yeah. Because you're going to get, you know, three people are like, that's my favorite, that's favorite. So they had to pick one single issue of Hawkeye to submit. And I forget exactly how it went down, but I do remember that was a really tough call. Hmm. All the single issue stuff was, was really hard. Hmm. Another one from Jordan, he says, couldn't the Avengers just get a telepath to read Spidey's mind and see that it's not Peter Parker? I mean, they ran all those tests on him. They don't. They didn't feel the need to get a telepath. You got to understand, to them, this is their, this is their trusted friend and ally. So they're not going to just stick a telepath on them. That's a, that's a gross invasion of, uh, of privacy. Yeah. So if they can get it done another way, which they thought they did satisfactorily in the last issue of Superior Spider-Man, they're going to go that route rather than uh, invade his mind. Also, what's the fun in that story? Come on. Right. That ends things too quickly. Right. At Gigato Reader, Michael says, Daredevil End of Days number 7, Tomb of the Week, hashtag enough said. That was so good. That was a really good book. Ugh. That book in general is really Ugh. good. I wanted to tear it up. At NickBert51, Nick Sutphin, any chance of a Captain America movie comic adaptation? I love Thor, but would love Cap more. Um, I would say that's probable, yeah, because the way we do the adaptations are usually after the films anyway, and we use it to sort of supplement and get ready for the next film. So when Captain America the Winter Soldier comes out, uh, I, would, I would venture a guess that we'll see an adaptation, but I don't have any hard news for you. Another one from Nick. 
A babies versus X babies, remember now, and then he has a pick from A babies versus X babies. And the problem with doing this podcast is a lot of times people will ask us questions, then we'll ask for clarification, and then when we record it a week later, we have no idea what yeah. we asked for clarification on. So I have no idea what yeah. this is about. But it's a very pretty picture. Thank you for sending it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool art. From at Penelope Cat, I didn't read ABX. What? <laughs> okay, weird. Uh, is Nova set before all that? Does it matter? Yes, Nova is set before that. Uh, the first arc of Nova is set before ABX. It will show you how he got to ABX. Yep. Which he does use the hashtag Marvel then. Yeah. Which is kind of clever. Um, Penelope, I would also say subscribe to Marvel Unlimited. Say Penelope. Penelope. Uh, so subscribe to Marvel Unlimited and you can read ABX at your leisure. Uh, I can't get the Marvel AR app to work on any of the AR things in the FF trade. How does it work? Uh, you take the AR app, make sure you have an internet connection. You focus it on, um, you don't have to go in super close. Go in so you see like the whole page or um, the panel where the, the little AR button is. And it should trigger. If yep. it's not, tweet to at omg underscore dj underscore judy she's our ar producer and she can help you with any issues you're having judy with a y can you spell it i-e in what world in bizarro you can spell it with just an i i have an i have an aunt who's just the i okay so there you go whatever uh as a follow-up uh, she also asked, my AR app won't work on anything but the Iron Man poster on the Avengers last week. Disappointed. Hopefully you won't be disappointed for much longer. And another question. Just enough time on my lunch break to read one more comic, Iron Man or Savage Wolverine. How do I choose? Presumably your lunch break is over now, <laughs> so we don't have to make this choice. Throw them up in the air and see what falls Yeah, on top. At Rev Gemlin tweets... When Brian Michael Bendis uses Fiery Pigeons of Sitarak, is it consistently referencing the same spell book slash page? I mean, I don't know. I don't, sure. I don't even think Fiery Pigeons of Sitarak? I don't see that. I don't think he uses that. Maybe he does. I think we're being duped. I don't know. I think, I this, know. Is, I think this is a skip. I love that stuff, though, that he, he's done with Doctor Strange's spells and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. Yep. Uh, Raph AB tweeted, uh, Hey guys, is the TV show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. confirmed? It has not been picked up yet. Um, just that news, if it happens, will come soonish, I hope. Nothing official is going on, so there is no, no information to provide. At its underscore pro tweets, How many people have been accidentally turned to superhumans due to radiation in the 616? Uh, like, Hundreds, thousands. I don't know. Yeah, it's don't don't expose yourself to radiation. Yeah, that's probably a good. I can see where this is headed. Rule of thumb. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why radiation's still allowed in the Marvel universe. Yeah, seems reckless and irresponsible. Yeah, and Doctor Underscore Spidey says since the This Week in Marvel crew are heading to C two E two this weekend, what are your favorite parts of Chicago to see if you have the time? Well, it's just me and Blake. Uh, and so we leave Friday morning, we land in Chicago, I go to my hotel, I put my bags down, I go to the convention, I work at the convention until 7pm, I go have dinner uh, with a friend and hang out, then I go to sleep, then I wake up, then I go to the convention, and then I go to sleep and wake up, go to the convention, and while the convention is still going on, I go to the airport. I don't have time to enjoy Chicago. The only time I went to a Chicago con and got to really 
enjoy it was years ago when you and I were well, still at our previous job. Um, and I don't know if you were with me for this or not, but our one of our bosses who used to live in Chicago, Joey Anarella, um, we had just gotten off the plane and we had like an hour before we had to go to the show. And he took me, I think it was it was me and two other guys. And he just said, all right, before we go anywhere, there's a hamburger place you have to go to. It's like 15 minutes away from the hotel. We just hop in a cab. And it was like one of those places where it's like like super cheap hamburgers, but they're incredibly good. And you get like yeah. three of them. So that's the only Chicago landmark I remember. It was excellent. Yeah. And I do remember we got to go to some good restaurants. But that was, that was also technically Rosemont. It wasn't uh, right. Chicago. Yeah, you're not in, in but that's, Chicago. But that's the, only thing I, that's the only time I remember going off the convention circuit yeah i I've, I've only been to chicago like sightseeing a little bit and looked nice but i like getting some pizza yeah it's uh luminaldi's is my my joint for getting pizza um i was hoping punk was going to be in town cm punk was going to be in town because uh, he said he would show me the real chicago but uh i think he's on he's on vacation right now maybe for the best Probably. i don't know if you can handle the real chicago i don't know that i can Simon Sebs, can you give us some more information about Avengers AI? Uh, we've given most of the information we can. It's coming out of Age of Ultron. It's hard to talk a lot about it without, you know, spoiling Age of Ultron, so you have to keep reading that book. But we can tell you, you know, Hank Pym's going to be in it. Victor Mancha's going to be in it. A lot of other cool characters are going to be in it. Sam Humphrey's writing it. Um, more information on that will be coming as we go. If you could bring back any canceled comic, what would it be? Goodness. I would say either What If yeah, or Cable and Deadpool. I would go with What If. I love that month in, month out craziness and weirdness and yep. horror and it's, death. I, I, from what I've heard from editors, it's hard. it was a hard book to edit because you just have to come up with something every month. Yeah. Um, Mark Panicci actually wrote about that in the Ultimate Spider-Man letters page this week. Yeah. He just said that he had worked on some what-if one-shots. He said it's, it, it's awesome when they come together, but it's such a hard... It's just, you know, every every one-shot is a project into of itself, so I imagine doing every issue would just be... It was awesome. You always have different creatives, but I don't care. I still want it to be yeah. brought back. Fair enough. Because we're not working on it, so screw <laughs> that. Are there any Miles Morales t-shirts? I believe uh, sure We are. Love Fine has some so we love find.com i believe has some yeah and finally is goliath bill foster still dead sure is we should build a website is you know is someone still dead in the marvel I feel, universe i feel like that's one of the few that is unlikely to get overturned sorry bill foster fans but but his son's out there he's the new goliath oh yeah yeah he was in a wonder man's revengers group he was in that great oh, right. damage control mini that Dwayne McDuffie did. Yep. Uh, so he's around. Hmm. Unfortunately, Bill Foster is not. Yeah. At Hey Archer tweets, squids are the freshmen or new recruits of the Navy. Thanks, right. Stephen. Learning a lot about the Navy this week. Yeah. Asbiv tweets, just read Superior Spider-Man 8. It was outstanding. Kudos, Dan Slott, Superior Hero. Can't wait for issue 9. Very good. Read Uncanny Avengers 6 over the weekend. So many pieces being knit together, it's hard to get a handle on the big story. Hmm. It's one of those books that I, I do say, you know, go back, reread it. Maybe even reread the um, Uncanny X-Force stuff that Rick did so you can see some of the things that he was setting up. And it's it, 
it pays off really well. It's nice. Another one from Steven. He said, what should I know already to make sense of Uncanny Avengers and what will be revealed in time if I just keep reading? No, Ryan pretty much told you. If, if you read Uncanny X-Force, that will give you good background, but all should be revealed in time yeah. if you keep reading. Totally. More from Steven. He says, if you're not reading Superior Spider-Man, you should be. And then he provides some uh, download codes to the folks. So if you are if you check out ASBIV on Twitter, maybe those codes are still available. Maybe not. I don't know. All right. We get at Lex Pendragon hitting close to the end here. Is Rise of the Technivore part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I think we may have addressed this before. Talked about answer, that, I think. Yeah, yeah that is no. Why does Wolverine wear a mask? He doesn't have a civilian identity to protect. Because it looks awesome. Yeah. That's it. I mean, you have to remember when Wolverine was originally put in the costume, it was because he was basically supposed to be Canada's Captain America. So it was all symbolic, you know, they, they wanted him to have the whole superhero getup. Um, he was supposed to lead Alpha Flight and all that, and I think he just got used to it. That was his original costume, and he just kind of kept with it. Yeah. I love that Canada's version of Captain America is a dude with razor-sharp knives coming out of his hands that goes <laughs> that goes crazy when he gets too angry. Because that's Canada for yeah. you. Just an angry, <laughs> hair-trigger people. I was actually reading a, a Alpha Flight classic trade last week, um, and they flashback to when Guardian first became Guardian after Wolverine had left to join the X-Men and he brags about how his suit has the flag like Captain America but he, he says like this really snarky line which is just like unlike Captain America my suit is actually the flag as opposed to just like a version of the flag incorporated into part of the costume like he's really proud of this he's like my whole suit is the flag like Captain America is all stylized and I'm like wow Canada, you know? Those Crazy. guys. Am I right? <laughs> um, and finally, from Alex Pendragon, my tweets on this week and Marvel last week seem oddly combined. I blame interns, but they take enough abuse. Let's blame the interns then. Um, and I saw that Elaine responded to him on this because I got looped into the conversation. Uh -oh. God knows why. And she started threatening him that she wasn't going to use his tweets anymore. Um, wow, some people need to be taken off the internet. Threatening in a playful way with LOLs and JKs and emoticons. It's not really threatening. It was probably a poor choice of words there. They had a nice little back and forth. They have a, a, fr a little friendship going, and then I did my best to squash it and let him know that it was all her fault. Okay. Final one of the week is a good one. It says from YSOSRUS tweets, Loki's hair looks stunning in the Thor the Dark World trailer. What does he do with his time in Asgard jail? Just, he just brushes his hair. There's actually stuff Obviously. that uh, you'll see in the movie uh, about some of the things he's doing with his time. About his hair? It doesn't have anything to do with his I hair, like necessarily. I feel like you're misleading people, then, when this is a question about his hair. You're saying, oh, you'll see this dealt with. No, you'll see his Clearly. time dealt with. Yeah, but but it doesn't... You don't Just stop. It's not going to answer the question. I don't need to answer the question. I That's answered the, the question. the whole point of the question. I answered it. We're yeah, good. Let's end this. My goodness. We're done with this episode of This Week in Marvel. Thank you for listening. Thank you to the intern for putting everything together. Thanks to Ben, Stromy, and his other guy, Blake, for doing whatever you guys do for me. And uh, thank we you so much it, for we listening. Don't, we don't do it for you. We do it for the fans. Do it for me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with another episode next week. And if you're at Chicago, say hi to me and Blake. This is Marvel, your universe.